Um, we're starting a new series tonight. Um, it's entitled The Journey. It's going to be a really good series. I was going over it, and uh, it's going to be an exciting series. Uh, you know, we all had a beginning in our Christianity. You know, we all started somewhere. You know, there's that day where somebody talked to us, we were introduced to Christ. We all had a place and a time where we surrendered our lives to Christ. We all did that. Every single one of us that is serving God, we can remember the day that we said yes. Somebody prayed for us. We said the sinner's prayer, and a great door was opened up to, to you and I. And we know that God places us in different places throughout our life. There's a divine reason for everything that takes place. Whether we know that, whether we understand that, there's a reason why everything takes place in our lives. And, and that's exciting to know because God has a purpose for your life and for mine. Each moment in our lives, it was placed there for a particular reason. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us. And this is so important. It says, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. Even before we were born, God chose us. And he had a purpose and a plan for our lives. And so everything that takes place, everything we go through has a plan. Our scripture text for this series is going to be Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. And this is going to be, again, our scripture for our series. And that scripture says, therefore, uh, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews here calls Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Your story, what God has done in your life is a story of faith. What God has done in my life, my story is a story of faith. What God has done in my life. The scripture says that our story has to be shared with others because your story is powerful. Your testimony is powerful. People need to hear it. So this series is gonna be an exciting one. I think Pastor Danny in a couple of weeks is gonna be speaking and the title of his sermon is gonna be Everyone Has a Testimony. Looking forward to hearing that. Pastor Ruben Sandoval is gonna be preaching with us this month and the title of his sermon is gonna be God Knows the Ending. God knows the ending. God knows the ending of our lives. He knows how it's going to end. I don't know if I want to hear about it, but nevertheless. <laughs> and tonight I'm going to be opening up this series. The title of my message is God Knows Your Story. God Knows Your Story. I read this the other day. It says a wife was making a breakfast of fried eggs for her husband. 
Suddenly, her husband burst into the kitchen. Careful, he said, careful. Put in some more butter. Oh my gosh, you're cooking too many at once. Too many. Turn them. Turn them now. You need more butter. Oh my gosh, where are you going to get more butter at? They're going to stick. Careful, careful. I said, be careful. You never listen to me when you're cooking. Never. Turn them. Hurry up. Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Don't forget to salt them. You know you always forget to salt them. Use salt. Use the salt. Use the salt. The wife stared at him. And then she said, what in the world is wrong with you? You think I don't know how to fry a couple of eggs? Husband looked at her and said, I just wanted to show you what it feels like when I'm driving. Mmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wives. When we look at the story of our lives, it's easy to get caught up. Not, not only in the failures of others, but sometimes we get caught up in the failures of us. We look at our own failures, don't we? And sometimes that hangs us up. It causes problems in our lives. But you and I always need to understand that God sees what he created us to be. God doesn't see you and I how we look right now. He knows exactly what his intent is for our lives. And when he sees us, he sees the finished product. He sees exactly where he's trying to get us to go. What would your story look like if you could see it through God's eyes? What would it look like if we can see our lives the way God sees us? God, wouldn't that be exciting? That'd be encouraging. If we can look at it the way God looks at our lives. In John chapter 9, Jesus tells a long story, a detailed story about how one man came to be a disciple of Christ. John chapter 9 the Gospel of John, we see a lot of stories. Actually, the whole book of John, there's a lot of stories of, of personal one-on-one relationships, uh, encounters that Jesus had with different people throughout the Gospel of John. And many of these encounters that he had, many of these relationships, once he had this encounter, the people went and told other people about what happened to them. They went and told them what happened to their lives after they met Christ. And here in John chapter 9 and verse 1, It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sin or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. The scripture goes on in verse 4. He said, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, Jesus said, and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, made mud with his saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came back seeing. 
First thing I want to look at tonight is everyone has a unique story. Every single one of us has a unique story. The story of what Christ has done in our lives, in your life. In our text there in John chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7, it says Jesus that he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went, washed, came back seeing. Jesus makes this mud. Spits in the ground, makes the mud, puts it over this man's eyes. Man can't see, can't see anyways, but he's got his eyes closed. And tells him, go over to the pool and wash the mud off. And when he does that, and he opens up his eyes, his eyes literally are open. He can see now. Just another instance a very unique and personal encounter with Jesus Christ. This man had a personal and unique encounter with the Lord. Just like this man, each of us has had that personal encounter, haven't we? Each one of us, as we look at our lives, we have had a unique and personal encounter with Christ. Every one of us has a testimony. Every single one of us knows exactly what Christ has done in our lives. Nobody knows. Nobody knows exactly what has taken place in your life. Nobody knows everything that has taken place in your life, just you, just me. I know what God has done in my life. I know where I was at. I know how I used to think. So do you. It's a story. It's a story about how God got a hold of your life. And that story, brothers and sisters, is one of the greatest gifts that God gave you. One of the greatest gifts that God gave you. Your story. The greatest thing God ever did for me is that story that I have. What he did in my life. Where I should be today shouldn't be here. Who I am today is not who I should be. That's not the direction I was going in. Who you are, where you're at, and what you're doing, that is not the direction you're headed. Your story. Some of you may say that maybe you were raised in the church. You think your testimony is not that fantastic. Nothing exciting has happened to you. You may go, well, you know, I really don't have that much to offer. I mean, you know, I really didn't, you know, there's people here in drugs and jail and this and that. I really don't have a lot to offer. I'm, I'm really nobody special. You know, God, that just, to God, that just doesn't matter. Not at all. Your story is a story of what Christ has done for your life. And that is unique. Unique. It's unbelievable. I've always felt those who grew up in the church have a stronger testimony than any of us that did all those crazy things. For me to do what I did when I was a kid was easy. It was easy because everybody else was doing it. And for most of us that got involved in all that craziness, we did it because of peer pressure, didn't we? It was peer pressure. We just went along with the crowd. To stand firm in your relationship with God and, and, and go to church all your life, that is a powerful, powerful testimony. Yeah. 
Jesus thought you were special enough to die for. You may not think that, but he thought you were. You were special enough to die for. Can't tell me the creator of the universe thinks you have no significance. For every single one of us, you are significant. You're important. You are important to God. Died for your sins. Your story is significant. And for some of you, maybe that's hard to understand because you've been told you're no good. Maybe your parents told you you had no potential. Ah, you're never going to grow up to be anything important. Maybe your employer, employee, employer really doesn't think you're that special. You know it. You know they, you, whatever job you're at. You know the boss always has his favorites, his go-to men and and women, and and maybe you're not one of those. And so even going to the job makes you feel unimportant. And again, this is where Christ comes in. You are important to him, to him. In our text, Christ approaches man in a unique way. He approached you and I in a unique way. How he approached you, where you are at, what you were doing, what you were thinking, what was taking place in your life at that moment, how desperate some of us were. Some weren't even desperate. Everything was going along fine. Everything was good, good job, good marriage. But God touched your life some way, somehow. It was unique for you. It was special just for you. Pastor Richard Salazar and Nancy were the perfect couple before they were saved. Hard workers, spent their money wisely, were investing their money, had nice home, had a, owned apartments, new cars, I mean, they were perfect. And then there was me. And when I saw that, when Pastor Richard wasn't, you know, Richard, my brother-in-law, when he started telling me about going to church, for me, I was thinking, if he has to go to church, how much more do I have to go? God had a way of speaking to each one of us. Only you can share with us what Christ has done for you. Only you can tell people what God has done for you. Only you. I can't tell your story. I don't know it. I don't know your story. I don't know what happened. And those that I've known for many, many years, I just know a little piece of it, don't I? I don't know everything. Okay, you're in jail. I don't know what happened in jail. Okay, did drugs. I don't know the craziness you were doing when you were on drugs. And I'd rather not know. So not only does God have a unique story, for every one of us, but second of all, uh, we don't know the complete story of what God's doing in our lives. We don't know the complete story that God is doing in our lives. This man in our text, this blind man, how, how does this man's faith work out in his life? He did what Jesus told him to do and now he can see what, what happens in his life. 
What, what does he do after this? What takes place for the rest of his life? What happens? Who does he impact? Because his testimony had to impact somebody. It had to do something. Even when we read the story in the Word of God in the Bible, we, we don't know the whole story, do we? We don't know the whole story. But a story was destined to go on. I was enjoying listening to Brother Manny Free the other night when he was preaching. Excellent message. Listen to Pastor Manny preaching. And he spoke about when he came into the church, I think he said he was 19 or 20, I forgot how old he was. I, I do remember I was there. When he walked into the church there on Florence Avenue, he had no idea what was going to take place in his life. He's a young man that he knew he was lost. He knew that he had no direction. He knew that he needed something in his life because the direction he was going was just going to kill him, literally kill him. And so he asked Christ into his life, and he fought through. And I know for Manny, he had some battles, some real battles to stay saved. There's these temptations and, and just things that were taking place in his life that he had to fight through and fight through and fight through. And I can't imagine how many times he just wanted to throw in the towel and quit. I was there when his wife, Espy, got saved walks into this church as a young single mom. Had some struggles. Had some struggles. The last thing she was looking for was a man. She needed to get her act together. She needed something to take place in her life. She needed something to get a hold of. She just needed to get grounded in her life. She had a young daughter they needed direction. She needed direction. What do I do? Where do I go? What's going to happen in my life? And it wasn't until many years later that her and Manny fall in love. Have a son. Have a daughter. Get married. And even that marriage, it struggled sometimes. But they fought it out. Here he is in our platform preaching. God radically changed his life. God radically changed her life. But when they first got saved, they had no idea what was going to take place. None. None. She's walking into the sanctuary earlier. She's not in here, but Joyce Hamilton. We all know Joyce. What a great, great sister. What, what a... What an encouragement. I don't think there's anybody that's been here for any amount of time that has not been encouraged by Joyce Hamilton. This woman was driving down Imperial Highway, messed up, messed up. Sees the building, wonders what it is. Pulls into the parking lot, comes in, it's a church. Sits down. Don't know who's preaching that night, but she surrendered her life to Christ. She had no idea what was going to take place in her life. She had no idea the story that God was going to give her. None. There's people in Chicago that know Joyce Hamilton. 
There's churches throughout the state of California that know who Joyce Hamilton is. I can call somebody on the phone right now and go, do you know who Joyce Hamilton is? They go, yeah, she's one of the sisters there at the Norwalk Church. No questions asked. There's people in England, England, United Kingdom in England that knows who Joyce Hamilton is. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. She can go to, she can get on a plane right now, go to England, knock on Pastor Tom's door, knock on somebody's door from that church, and they go, Joyce, come on in. Have some dinner, spend the night. Spend a week. Just, that's just crazy, crazy. Our stories are unique. What God has done for us. I was thinking of Tony Perez and his wife, Julie. They adopted a young girl, what, a couple of years ago, I think it is. This girl, before she was adopted, can you imagine this little baby girl? The future she was going to have, I think her mom was a drug addict or something. I don't know, it's a pretty bad story. Really sad story. Tony and Julie's heart goes out to this young girl and they adopt her. Just think of this young girl's story. What it's going to be 15 years from now. The life that she's going to have the foundation that she's gonna have in her life that she never would have had if Tony had not gotten saved and fought through, if his wife Julie never got saved, if they had never married, if they had never saw this young girl, if they didn't do what they did, think of this young girl's life. Where you're at right now, you don't know the complete story, do you? You don't know. You don't know the complete story. You don't know what God has for you. But what we do have to understand is God is doing something wonderful. God is doing something great in your life, whether you see it or whether you don't see it, whether you understand it or don't understand it. But the time's going to come where you're going to be able to look back, whether it's here or the other side of eternity, you're going to be able to stop and go, okay, I get it now. I understand. I see why I went through that. There's so many things in my life that I can see why I went through it. Time of my Christianity or my finances were, were a mess, a mess, a mess. And then I'm being taught to tithe? Are you nuts? I can't afford to put food on the table, but I'll tithe. I'll pay my tithe first. This is, man. God, I did take some bad drugs when I was a kid. If I'm going to start paying my tithe, then I can pay my bills. But I did. Now I can look back. And I can see that why I went through that. Because today, I'm a very good steward of my finances. I just don't spend money foolishly. I've always paid my tithe from the day I got saved. God has delivered me from that bondage, has delivered me from, that, from those finances of being a bad steward. God has taught me through the word of God how to be a good steward of my finances. 
And I can look back and go, I thank God that I was in that shape. Because now I appreciate everything that God's done for me. Each of us can look back in our lives and there's some things that make sense, but there's still things in my life that don't make sense. But I know that God has a reason for it. And I believe him and I love him for it. So not only, number one, is your story unique, and number two, do you, sometimes we don't see the complete story. But third of all, the more you tell your story, the deeper you will grow in your relationship with Christ. The more you tell your story, the deeper you will grow in Christ. Look how, look, look how this man here, this blind man tells a story in verses 8 and 11 in our text. John chapter 9, verses 8. Through 11. It says, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud spread over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, now I can see. At this point of the story, he knows something extraordinary has happened to him, but he doesn't quite know everything just yet. I remember I, when I got saved, I asked Christ into my life. I used to cuss a lot, cuss a lot. And the first thing I always did when I'd get up in the morning, I'd take a shower, but I'd go into the shower and I'd take a, a couple of cans of beer and I'd drink beer while I was taking a shower. Every morning, that's what I would do and just cuss up a storm. That was just like every other word. I asked Christ to come into my life. Next day I go and I take a shower, I don't take anything in with me and I'm just talking normal, no cussing. Next day the same thing and Tony, my wife said, have you noticed anything about you? And I said, oh, what? She goes, you haven't cussed at all. You haven't even drank. I said, wow. You're right. I just thought that's all that was going to happen to me. I had no clue what God was going to do as I kept serving God and kept living for God. That, that was just the beginning for this man. He, he just knew the man they called Jesus did for something for him. It was pretty cool. He can see now. That's excellent. This man did something for him. In verse 11, I mean, it says there, the man, the man they called Jesus, made some mud, put it on my eyes. But then the Pharisees come around. The religious leaders come. They hear about it. And they come and start asking questions. They go to this man. And they start asking him questions. In John chapter 9, in our text, verses 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. And others said, but how can an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? There was a deep division of opinion among them. And verse 17 says, then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? Listen to what he says now. The man replied, he's a prophet. Just a few verses before in verse 11, he said, this man named Jesus He's the one that did it. Now he's talking to religious leaders and he said, he's a prophet. Jesus is a prophet. They keep talking to him in verses 30 and 33. It says, 
the Pharisees can't quite get a hold of who this Jesus is. They're, they're, they're trying to get this story together in their head. And this blind man, or formerly blind man, says there in verse 30, he says, why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. In verse 32, he says, ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Every time he tells a story, it's starting to do something in his life. And finally, in verse 35, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Verse 37, Jesus says, you have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. And the man says, yes, Lord, I believe. And the man, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. He went from some man named Jesus did this for me to, oh, I think he's a prophet. Now he's worshiping Jesus as the son of God. Every time he told his story, Every time he told his story, he just kept thinking about it. What had happened to him? What had taken place? When you tell your story, you're forced to organize. You're forced to analyze what has taken place in your life. I did. When my wife asked me, have you noticed there's something different about your life? I had to stop. I had to organize this thing in my brain. Okay, what's different? What did I do different? What has changed? What started this in my life? I asked Christ to come into my life. I said a sinner's prayer, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to serve you from this day forward. I surrender my life to you. Change my life. And the more I told this story, the more people asked me. It started to make sense what Christ was doing in my life. And the same with you. The more you told your story, as people started asking you, what's going on? Where you been? What's happening? I don't see you anymore. You had to organize your thoughts. You had to organize what was taking place in your life. You had to analyze what was taking place. And you and I gained new insight, didn't we? Each and every time our faith started to grow, started to realize what was taking place, God was changing our life. He was changing our life day by day. Every time we opened our mouth, every time somebody asked, went to my brother's house, my older brother's house. He was a heroin addict. Told Moggy, God can change your life. Told him, makes you say that? I said, because he's changed my life. Because he was wondering, how come I hadn't come around? We used to be together every single day. He hadn't seen me for over a month. God was changing my life. I told him, he could change your life. And he said, get out of my house. Just go. Get out of here. Don't want to talk to you. So I left. Went back the next weekend. Augie, God can change your life, man. You have to be a heroin act no more. He can deliver you. He said, didn't I tell you to shut up one time before? I'm not going to tell you to shut up two times. You open your mouth one more time. And he was pretty rowdy about it. He was pretty, I mean, he... He used to beat up anybody just to beat them up. And he 
got me one time when I was younger, really, really good. So I, I knew he meant what he, and I left. I went back one more time. He was a general contractor. And I told him, hey, Augie, man, we need some work done in our church or you know, this, this building we have for the church. Maybe you can do the job. You want to come check it out? He goes, yeah, I'll go check it out. Went and checked it out, and after being there for about an hour looking at things, I saw him and the pastor in the backyard talking, and I saw my brother bow his head and say the sinner's prayer. There's, as you begin to tell your story, it begins to make sense. You know exactly what God has done in your life. You know exactly what he's done. As the worship team comes up tonight, in John chapter four, you'll find the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. The Samaritan woman went there to draw some water. There was a well there, and the women in the town used to have to go and take water out of this well. That's what they did. They went, and they'd have to get water, take it back to wherever they were living. And so she goes to the well to collect water. It just so happens that Jesus was there. Him and the disciples were in Galilee. They had walked this long walk. They traveled very, very far. Jesus was very tired, and so he stood there at the well just to, to rest while the other disciples went into town to, to get some food and some supplies. And Jesus is there by himself at this well, and the Samaritan woman comes up to get water from this well. In John chapter 4 and verse 13, Jesus said, he sees this woman, and he begins to speak to her. And he sat, tells this woman, he says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Kind of sounds what happened to you and I. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. She goes on in verse 16. Jesus says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Down in verse 28. The woman left her jar inside, beside the well, and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because a woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village, so he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Jesus knew her story. He knew her story. He knows your story. He knows my story. He remembers more than we do, church. He remembers more about your life than you do. He's the only one who can recall all the memories 
all of them. The good ones and the painful ones. Knows it all. Everything that's taken place in our life, everything. He knows the hard parts in our life, church. He knows both when we've done wrong, and he also knows when wrong's been done to us. He knows it all. And so he extends his life, his salvation to all of us. So we need to remember Every one of us has a unique story. Every single one of you has a unique story of what God has done in your life, where he found you, the words that were spoken to you that caused you to surrender your life to Christ. That story belongs to you and only to you and nobody else. We also don't know the complete story. We don't know exactly what's gonna take place. We don't know where this is going. We don't know exactly how much God is gonna change our life. We don't know what he has planned for our lives. And third of all, don't forget, as you tell your story, you grow deeper and deeper in Christ. Your faith, grows more and more as you tell your story, your unique story. So brothers, sisters, tell your story. People need to hear it. They need to hear it. Tell your story. Your family needs to hear it. Tell your story. Your friends need to hear it. Tell your story. Your coworkers need to hear it. Tell your story. Your friends need to hear it. It'll change your life. It'll plant a seed. It'll cause something to happen in their life. Because isn't that what happened to you? Isn't that what happened to me? Somebody told us their story. And it did something. It did something. It caused us sooner or later to say yes to Christ. Look what he's done. Look what he's done. Look what he's done. Look what he's done in your life. Look who you are. Look how you talk. Tell your story. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.